Hey everybody, this is Derek King with the Derek King Sports Show. We all know how important it is to stay protected. Sometimes life throws you a curve and that's why you need Allstate. The Wiley Group has two locations in Festus and Arnold to serve you. They offer home, auto, boat, motorcycle, business, life insurance, investments, and so much more. They offer a customized approach that is unique to your situation to make sure that you, your family, and assets are properly protected. They also offer great rates and savings. Give Sean and his team a call today at 636-764-6294. They'll help you with an insurance quote right over the phone. Even give them a call if you just want to talk sports. (laughs) They do that too. We all have busy lives, so you can also email Sean at seanwiley at allstate.com and talk to him about your coverage options. And remember, you're in good hands with Allstate. Welcome to Yanker Jack with Brian Swope. Dynamite drop in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. Part of the Gateway City Sports Podcast Network. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Yacker Jacks. This is your host, Brian Swope, Papa Swope on Twitter. When you want great St. Louis sports content, news, and opinion, be sure to check out gatewaycitysports.com. We have everything you need from hockey to baseball to football to NCAA. We've got you covered. We are by fans, for fans, and we are here for you. So make sure you get over there again to gatewaycitysports.com. Check out all of our great content that's coming out nearly on a daily basis. You'll also want to check out the Derek King Sports Show, which goes live every Wednesday morning. Our newest show, Talking Sports on the Bleachers with my friend Don Glenn. And also you're going to want to check out Two for Three with Mike Stevenson and, of course, team of rivals where we get together with some Cubs fans and you know like to humiliate them as much as they humiliate us so get over there to gatewaycitysports.com check that out and be a part of what's going on well guys I don't want to take a whole lot of time today um, just going solo because I've got a guest on that uh, good friend of mine that I love to have um, you know come on the show because he, he really he's such a great guy and I love his work, and I've always enjoyed his work, actually. And we're going to talk a little bit about a, a few different things today, I think. Uh, but we'll see how the conversation goes and where it goes. But to start off, uh, I just want to say, you know, thank you for everything that you guys have done to help make this uh, show happen, to make this show possible. We've done this now for almost a year, and we launched just shortly after GatewayCitySports.com launched. And we just have been excited to be able to provide different things, different angles for you guys to uh, think about different things uh, when it comes to St. Louis sports. And if it weren't for you guys, we couldn't do this. I couldn't do this if it wasn't for you. So thank you so much. Let's talk real quick, briefly, about the Blues. How awesome have they been? They have been on a roll. Again, they're out right now, two games postponed and I know they lost their last game to Winnipeg but still the Blues are firing on all cylinders right now and it's going to be scary when they get back uh, to full strength when the Blues are fully healthy 
I think that this team, and I've said it before, you know, and I know I've said it here specifically, but I think when the Blues get back to full strength, they are going to be a very, very dangerous team. And I think that, honestly, they have an opportunity to make a deep run in the playoffs. I think they have a shot, really a legit shot, at the Stanley Cup this year. Now, I don't want to get my hopes up. You know, I don't want to you know, put the put the court bef- or the cart before the horse but this team this team looks really solid right now and if they can continue to just get healthy and continue to play at a high level then I think this team has a lot of potential a lot of potential looking ahead tomorrow we've got the the uh Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm completely drawing a blank. Tomorrow, we've got the Mizzou Tigers are in the Armed Forces Bowl. Is that right? I think I'd, see now. Now I've now I've got to look it up. Um, the yes, the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl against Army, and again, guys, I know I keep you know getting getting hard on on Mizzou, but. There was some great news this week. Some great news. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but the recruiting rankings have come out. And not only does Mizzou have the number four ranked recruiting team, so recruiting class so far, right now in the nation, number or number four in in the SEC, but they have the tenth ranked recruiting team in the nation. And if you didn't get a chance, you have got to go back and watch the uh, the national championship, the high school national championship game uh, where Sam Horn played. And this guy, he looks good. He looks like he's got the tools to be the quarterback that this team needs. And, you know, I've been hard on Connor Bazelak, and I think for good reason. I thought, you know, that Bazelak had, he's got talent. I mean, let's just be honest, he's got talent. But I don't know that he's got the talent to play at the level that's needed to be successful in the SEC. And, and that's just it. That, that's the problem with, with me. I, I don't think that he's a good enough talent to be able to lead this team where it needs to go. But to see now where this recruiting is going and to see how Coach Drinkwitz is putting together this team, again, I've always been hopeful about the football team. I think the football program has a ton of potential. I think Coach Drinkwitz has done an amazing job as far as recruiting. And that just shows. It just goes to show this year that he's not giving up. Not giving up. He's fighting. He's working hard to make this program the best that it can be. And I love the energy that Coach Drinkwitz brings to this program. It's been phenomenal to watch his energy. I just wish that the results on field would be a little bit better, but I think they're getting there. I really think they're going to get there because I don't think that we've got a guy who's just going to sit back on his laurels and not do what needs to be done to improve the program. And and that's completely evidenced in the recruiting class rankings that have just come out. And, you know, good on him. Good on Coach Drink. Keep it up. Keep it up. Now if you can just, you know, tell your counterpart or convince your counterpart uh, inside the gym to – you know, get on that recruiting trail too and do some better recruiting and get some better talent in there. Maybe the basketball team would pick up. 
Yeah, but that's another story for another day. Like I said, I don't want to take too much time today talking about myself or talk, talking by myself. So let's move on and get to our next item of business. All right, it's time now for the Holy Smokers guest line. When it's time to add a little spice to your life, make your next grilling adventure a spiritual experience with Holy Smokers Rub Company. They have several different flavors to choose from, and each one is specially blended for a taste sensation that you will pray never ends. The best part is, is that all proceeds go towards helping families who are going through the process of adoption. So look them up on Facebook and be sure to use coupon code GCS10, that's GCS, the number 10, and get 10% off of your order. Holy Smokers Rub Company, bless your taste buds. Well, hey, I am honored to be joined by my friend, Dan Buffa. Dan, how are you doing this morning? Doing good, man. I got coffee cup number two coming in, so we're... We're doing well. Can you hear me all right? I'm down I, in the man cave basement. Yeah, I, I, you, you are sheltering in place. It appears. Sheltering <laughs> in place. This is this is, this is safe. You know, yeah. being guarded by Jim and Joaquin over here. So awesome. Well, well, I, I am in my, uh, I am in my, what we call the Gateway City Sports <laughs> Podcast Studios, um, which right now happens to be uh, my garage piled with stuff that I still haven't gotten to the storage unit yet since we moved here two years ago. But hey, you know, it, w- whatever works, it's right? Just waiting for you. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, it's just you know, I mean, it, it's waiting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, man, it's good to good to see you. We, we got to talking a little bit before we started recording, and I know there's a lot going on. Um, you know, we'll, we'll hit on a bunch of different stuff, but one of the first things I want to talk about is uh, obviously we've got this whole you know lockout thing that's happening um, in baseball. There was some news that came out. Uh, I think it was either yesterday or the day before, but I think it was yesterday, where apparently now. Um, there's a lawsuit against MLB that's going after their antitrust exemption. Um, what do you, have you heard anything on that? And what, what do you, what do you make of that? I haven't heard about that, but I wonder if this is going to be like the two sides kind of playing with each other a little bit. Like the owners are going to try to bring out like maybe the, the lawsuit, you know, very timely fashion. Maybe the players association will throw something back at the owners. I feel like, this just tells you how far apart they are that this is going to be the beginning stuff. This is going to be like the lawsuits and then they're going to get down into the brass tax and negotiation. But as far as what that can mean for either side, man, I feel like we're down here and like the millionaires and the players and the owners, they're all up there talking about this at a higher level. Yeah. I, I think most fans are just, you know, worried about whether or not we're actually going to have baseball this year. Um, and to me, I think yeah. the further and further we get into this, it, I, I'm seeing a less likelihood of actually having, it, definitely not having a full season this year, but maybe not even having a season altogether. Yeah, because for me, the biggest question I have is that when everything, let's say a deal is hammered out sometime in January, that's very optimistic. But, you know, at that point, do they restart the free agency? Do they go right into spring trading in two or three weeks? Do they go to spring training in February or do they back everything up? I mean, are they just going to say, well, the players that signed, the players that were traded, those are good, but now we're going to launch into this season. That's kind of what I want to know. Are they going to pick up where they left off in early December? Are they just going to, if they do reach a deal, are they going to launch right into the season uh, or into the preseason? So a lot of confusion about what the actual method would be, especially if they hammer out a deal before 
everything defrost, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and you know, and that's the hope, man, is that, uh, that they'll get something worked out because I mean, at the end of the day, when, when you look at it, um, the players are going to get something that's beneficial to them. The owners are going to get something that's beneficial to them. But the real, the real people that are hurting in this are the fans and the game itself. Um, you know, and, and I think the game's been through enough, you know, here in recent yeah. years that it really can't afford to take another hit like this, I don't think. No, and... and, and been pushed down the field you know they if this was a football the thing that you could say that owners have have pushed back the the players back to their own like 20 yard line they have to kind of make their way back but like you said eventually you can't really you, you can't have the you know the, the fans waiting because as i mentioned when this all kicked off early, early this month all the other sports are going on as planned and, and i know that's kind of just a of course you know no crap, no shit. Can we say bad words on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it as PG as possible, but you're, you're good. All right. But essentially, you know, it's like, you know, the players and the owners are going to have to think about how many casual baseball fans are going to look at these two sides and they're dis disputing, there's lawsuits, there's, you know, there's progress and there's no progress. I'm just kind of looking over the next two, three months. We got some progress. And then there's another couple steps back. You're going to see a lot of the casual fans maybe kind of go over to hockey, which is going right now. Maybe go over to football. Maybe the Chiefs make a big run, and the Chiefs and good old Patrick Mahomes, who I think could probably play baseball if he tried, you know, they'll they'll pull a couple fans over. So that's what they have to worry about. I mean, you take your time. Obviously, they know they have a little time, especially with this what we call it, pandemic 3.0 starting to cancel hockey games. But yeah, the owner the the spotlight is on them right now. I mean, no, no other sport is negotiating a CBA. The NBA and the NHL, they had a CBA chat, and it lasted about as long as one of our lunches, you know. And, yeah. and now the MLB is just, who knows, man. I mean, but I think they, they can't wait too long. No, they can't. And, you know, honestly, I, I use myself as case in point here, Dan. Uh, you know, I grew up in St. Louis, close to the hill. Uh, my neighbor across the street was Yogi Berra's niece, for, for crying out loud. Oh, yeah. You know, like, baseball's in my blood. You know, I was a hardcore it fan. Is, yeah. And I got to be honest with you, when they were messing around with the pandemic stuff, I kind of didn't miss it, you know, and, and when it came no. back, I was happy to have it. But, you know, if they go through this prolonged, you know, lockout thing again, and man, I just honestly, I, I'm, to, I'm to almost to the point where it's like, you know, there's other forms of baseball I can watch. I can go watch my, you know, local high school team. You know, I can yeah. watch the local college yeah. team. There's independent ball not too far away from me. That's a good I, point. I love yeah. the game. I don't have to watch the MLB. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. All the other levels of play, I mean, obviously not the minors, but you can go watch a high school team play. You can go watch a college team play. These these, these kids don't get paid. They don't have a, a salary cap. They don't have six yeah. years to wait before they can get a big payout. All they're hoping is that maybe I'm good enough. I can do this for a living. So, yeah, a lot of other sports. I mean, for me – it just gives me a chance to dive more into movies. And you know me, if I get into movies, I may not come back out. I may just be <laughs> swallowed up by the cocoon, you know? Yeah. But it's just, it really is. It shows you that even with something you love, when it stops, when it comes to a halt, you know, I mean, if you, if you take that away for a little while, as they saw in 94 with baseball, as they saw in that with hockey in 2005, I think, there are people that said – Hockey wouldn't survive another lockout or a strike. So this is serious stuff. I mean, they're again, all the tensions on them, all the other sports are going as planned. 
baseball is it has their doors locked and that's kind of like all the other department imagine all the other department stores like target walmart they're all open and then this one store is like yeah we're closed yeah and that doesn't look good it doesn't look good especially when tickets at and games are going up, the concessions are going up. So, and you know that's only going to go up no matter what deal they come to. Yeah, because they're going to so, have to recoup their costs of, yeah. of everything that was lost by not having games. Yeah, yeah. Because if the players are going to get paid more, the the people are probably going to have to pay more if the players are going to get paid more. And I'm happy for. Them. I mean, I, I mean, I, I want all those low level, you know, the the ones that are scrapping around trying to make trying to get that three-year deal. I want them to have a little more security. I, I do think it's kind of crazy that a player has to play like, you know, six years before he can break free of that arbitration label or, you know, the free agent label. I mean, it's just, those things are important, but in the end, the baseball fan is going to be the one paying. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I, I really, the guys that I hurt for um, really are the minor leaguers. Um, yeah. you know, I, I know guys that have played pro ball. Matter of fact, uh, after, after the break, uh, when we come back next season, um, you know, I'm, I've actually got a, a friend of mine that was, that was a minor leaguer, played for the, uh, Pirates and Rangers, and then, you know, did a little time over in, uh, in Korea, who's going to come on and, um, you know, talk a little bit about his experience. But, you know, th- those are the guys that I really worry about because they're the ones that are still trying to make it. And, you know, their, their entire lives are put on hold, basically. I mean, yeah. you, you can't, you can't commit to getting married. You can't commit to having a family. You can't, no. there's a lot of things you can't commit to. House. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what do you, what I do you mean, do? Yeah. I mean, you got to think, I mean, you know, for, for, for baseball, minor league baseball players, you're making like, you're, you're, you're kind of making McDonald's money in, in, in a certain way. I mean, and, and you're not, and there's no guarantees. So you're, you're playing for those teams, hoping to get a call up, hoping to get, you know, even a month call up, imagine getting like major league pay for a month. I mean, that's just, that, that, that's the dream. And now for some players, let's say you're a minor league player, you're on the fringe, you're 27, you're 28 years old. You've scattered some games around a few years, but these are important years, as you said. I mean, if, if you miss this off season, this may be one of your last vital minor league prime off seasons. And, and, and that's a, and that's that's terrible for those guys. I mean, they're just waiting. They're waiting to get back in the game. Yeah, and the thing is, for every one of those guys that doesn't make it, you know, maybe one out of a hundred of those guys is going to find a spot in the game, either as a coach or you know, working in yeah. the front office or something like that. But most of those guys, I mean, that that's like almost what ten ten years of your life wasted, gone. Yeah, that you can never ten get years. back. That you can yeah, never I mean, and yeah, you can, yeah. I mean, you can go overseas and then you can play there and then you can come back, but that's a lot of real estate. I mean, I think about a baseball player if he has to kind of remap his career, remap his what he's doing. That takes years, and you know, this game it's getting you know wickedly advanced with, with sabermetrics and all those things. So you're thinking I have to keep up with all that, and there's already two or three guys ahead of me on the depth chart, you know. It's a scary thing out there because now they're going to have to go look at another job, one they're not going to want to do, and just because of a, of a dispute between owners and players. So, again, a lot of people, even the ones that work, people that work at stadiums, they're just waiting. They're waiting for the regular. And, of course, as a, as, as a world, as a civilization, we're all just trying to get back to normal. And it seems <laughs> like baseball, just the latest thing is being pulled away. Yeah, and, you know, baseball – see – when baseball came back to me, that was a return to normalcy. Like that, yeah. that was, that was us coming back and, you know, being, you know, having 
having life again, I guess, yeah, is, I mean, is the best way to put it. Like, life is normal. The video they made with John Hamm was narrating it, and he's like, he just said something like, hello, it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah. And I think my wife was like, I think I, I, I got teary-eyed when he said that. And then, then I had to remind her, well, when John Hamm speaks, it's just a lot of gravatas. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he's right, though. It felt like we were coming back into the – we're coming back into Toys R Us when you're going back to Bush Stadium. You're like, oh, man, you're open again. There's the smells, the nachos, the beer, more nachos. And then there's popcorn and all the other food they smell. That's all part of the experience. Yeah. And when you take that away, man, you it makes a lot of people, and we know from Twitter, it makes a lot of people just sad. You know, they have to start tweeting about other stuff now. So we need even in, on that level, we need to fix it. <laughs> yeah, the the Twitter world is going to go insane if baseball doesn't come they back. Go insane. They're just going to start going at each other. <laughs> what it's what like, else are they going to have to talk about? You know what? That ninety nine team. You know what? They'll get into conversations about lost season. You know. <laughs> well, you know, only if Ray Langford didn't blow his knee out. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Ma- imagine if Ankiel didn't get the yips. Imagine if he didn't get the yips. He probably wins a couple of Cy Youngs because yep. I've, I've never seen a curveball like Rick Ankiel's, man. Oh, my gosh. It was wicked, wicked. It went up, and then it just went right down into the glove. Like it was a dove just floating a perfect little little, little swan dive. Yeah, it, it was it, – honestly, it, to me, it almost looked like a – it looked like a knuckleball with more direction and velocity. Yeah. Because, I mean, it just it, floated it, it, and then just dropped right – it was a beautiful thing to watch, for it's sure. Like a, a knuckleball with a roadmap, man. It yeah. just those knuckleballs. You just think that they're just gonna like Tim Wakefield when he threw those. Like, where is that gonna go? But with Ankiel, you knew it was just gonna go. Well, it's gonna go twelve to six, and the hitter's gonna have no idea. Yeah. And all they could do is just sit there and watch it. And, uh, sit there and watch. It, it was just a beautiful don't thing. Your knees too much. Yeah. <laughs> well, man. Uh, speaking of like normalcy and returning, you know, to cut. Kind of normal, and and you know that. Let's let's talk a little bit about some movies, man, because that, that's what you're really doing now, and uh, and I, I love your analysis, and uh, we we like to do a little bit of everything. We're very sports heavy here, but I like to dip into some other stuff every now and then. Um, and so, I guess what what got me thinking about this was when we were just talking about the minor leaguers, um, you know, and, and lost years and things like that. It it reminded me of a movie that's just come out, um, American Underdog. Have you, have you seen it yet? The Kurt Warner story. I have. I, and again, what I was mentioning before we started this thing was that I, you know, with awards time, I'll see some of these movies a little while before they come out, but I can't talk about them until. But now we can talk about it because it comes out this week finally. It feels like I watched this movie like five weeks ago, but and, and I went in with all the same kind of trepidation that everybody else did. You know, the football scene's going to be good. Is it going to be really, really a, a really religious powered story? Because the directors have done those before. So right. everybody was wondering, like, and, and nothing against that. There's a whole audience for that. But for some people, they're like, oh, man, is that going to, for people that aren't as religious as others, but I, but I can calm the fears about that. It's not really heavy about religious because Kurt Warner accepted religion when he met Brenda. I mean, she was the hardcore religious person. So that is part of the story, but it's not like um, beating over the head with it. And also the football. Now, people have already seen that. What people get to see with American Underdog is the love story. These two people, I mean, she came from a pretty rough relationship. You know, her her kid had a, a medical condition and she was living with her mom. And here comes Kurt Warner, 
you know, up to the door. He, you know, he's trying to play football, but he, he hasn't had much success yet. And so you get to see these two people come together and Zachary uh, Levy and Anna Paquin, man, they really do a good job of making you believe because for St. Louis people, you know, we're at the advantage of having watched the Warners, you know, we're, yeah. we, we watched the post game kisses. We watched all the appearances. They still do that winter coat drive here in St. Louis around December, but we never got to see them get together. We never got to see all the trials and tribulations and, you know, getting cut by the Packers, going to, you know, arena football, and then finally getting with the Rams. Dennis Quaid is good, but he doesn't have as big as a role as the poster makes him out to be. He's kind of <laughs> on the poster like, I get 30 minutes of screen time. And it's like, <laughs> eh, you know, but he's really good. I think the, the makeup got a little haywire, but I think Dick Vermeil will cry when he watches Dennis Quaid play him on screen. There's Dick Vermeil. Yeah, it's just what he does. He cries. Yeah, I was going to say, but is there Bruce anything McGill, that won't make Dick Vermeil cry? <laughs> Bruce McGill has a good role. He plays the arena football owner that pays Kurt $100 per touchdown. He's like, if you throw a touchdown, I'm going to give you a $100 bill. And, of course, anybody who could throw a spiral is going to be inspired there. But there's just a lot of good roles. Uh, an actor that I don't think people will notice, but he's been in a few things. Chance Kelly plays Mike Martz. And he plays Mike Martz as this villain. And I just kind of loved it because he's the one that didn't really believe in Kurt Warner winning. He's like, this guy's old. He's over the hill. You know, he's throwing 50 yard passes in arena football league, you know, through the whole field. And he kind of had to earn Mike's trust. And that's a really good football dynamic in the movie. This is officially the longest review ever of American underdog. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I want to say, it, it, it's a pleasantly surprising football movie that's more about love story and, and, and i think that they did a good job in focusing on that and i think it gives a chance for zachary levy who everybody knows now is shazam to put on that charisma and put on that charm because kurt had that yeah just from having the chance to interview i had the very lucky opportunity to interview kurt and brenda when they were here for the st louis film festival in november and they're just great people it was like watching i watched them on screen an hour before and then i go meet them in person and the, you know, the, the actors just nailed it. I mean, they're just, they, they love each other, but they bicker and they bicker in the movie and any husband or a wife will just love to see Kurt and Brenda Warner bickering on screen. It's just those little things that I think I appreciate because yeah, there's a, there, there's football. I mean, you see him play, but the Rams stuff is not as much because again, you start when he's at the very beginning of his football career, when he's just trying to get out of college I mean, I think he went to a, I can't remember where, I think he went to a pretty small college. So he, he, he kind of came out and he wasn't drafted. And then that, that kind of takes it on there. But I think people will be excited by it. I mean, it's a perfect Christmas movie. If you know the Kurt Warner and Brenda Warner story, it's great. But even if you don't, like if you were somebody who just maybe saw the cover of a Sports Illustrated magazine, this will be an exhilarating experience. Yeah, that I love that, and the thing that I love about it too, and, and I haven't gotten a chance to see it yet, and, and I'm I'm looking forward to to actually getting to see it, but the way you talk about it, like the love story, really that that goes both ways, man. It's it's about you know the love story between him and Brenda, but also his love of the game and and his love of football, yeah. you know, and and isn't that like really what like something like that is the thing that's going to connect like the man that loves sports and the woman who maybe doesn't love sports, but loves a good love story. I mean, it, it sounds like it's going to be good for basically for everybody. Yeah, 
It is, and there's a great little moment where, where he's, at, you know, and yes, there is a scene of him stocking the shelf at the grocery store because you couldn't make a, a Kurt Warner movie unless there was a scene of, of Zachary Levy just putting on the can. <laughs> but there's a cool moment where he sees, I think, Dan Marino on a Sports Illustrated um um, on a Wheaties box and his coworkers like, man, man, why don't you put yourself on one of those Wheaties boxes? And of course, a few years later, Kurt Warner was on that. So this was those little bitty touches that I think they try to tell you because at the very heart of it, this is an inspiring story. This guy was pretty much football career wise left for dead. I mean, when, when he got cut by the Packers, it was one of those things where 95, 99% even of quarterbacks just kind of go, they go into coaching, they go backwards, but he just, he's got that arena football chance. And that was when it was really kicking off. And then he got spotted by, you know, the, the Rams personnel. I mean, it's a great scene where, you know, they walk up to him on the field and go, Oh, who are you with? And he's like the Rams. And he's like, Oh, and it's just a great little moment. Those little moments kind of make it. And of course, you know, again, when you have a lead actor, like, like Zachary Levy, you know, he, he can bring a lot of humor to it. So it never gets too heavy. It never gets like, I have to throw this touchdown or my house is going to fall down. I mean, it's just, <laughs> he brings a very light approach to playing Kurt Warner. And he actually, he's got the height of Kurt Warner. When he was cast, the first thing I did was look up the height and he's just right around the same height. He's a big guy. So he looks, and when he grows a goatee, I was like, okay, now I understand what they saw. Because, you know, when they were casting him, they probably did all these little computer maps out. So, okay, give him a goatee. And he just looks just like Kurt Warner with the hair and with, again, with the height and the build. Because you can't mess around with those things. You can cast Tom Cruise as Jack Reacher, but you cannot cast Tom Cruise as Kurt Warner. No. That just would not work. First of all, he, he could barely see over the line. <laughs> He'd be like, okay, guys. <laughs> He'd, be, He'd be nuts. They go, how much caffeine did Tom have today? A lot. <laughs> okay. Now, what do I say now? Hut? What? Hut? No. <laughs> Show me the money? What? Well, no, I mean, they, yeah, I mean, they, they cast it really well. And, and I think, you know, again, even, again, you, people will see Chance Kelly and they'll probably go, oh, yeah, I watched him in like three or four TV shows. But when he plays the antagonistic Mike Martz, it's just kind of a kick. I, I, I like that. It's like they had to put some conflict on that football field. And since Dick Vermeil loves everything down to the grass on the field, you had to make Mike March this, no, I don't like him. He's not going to make it. And we all know he does. Yeah. So we're like rooting for the guy who we know it happened. So that's kind of a crowd-pleasing moment. Well, I, I love that too because, I mean, Dick Vermeil was – he ever the optimist i mean but he was hard he was hard not to like i mean it was really hard not to like dick vermeil but i think what's cool about kurt warner's story like you know if we can go oh you know even just away from the movie like as a as a sports fan you know as a st louis sports fan specifically um but also when you do throw in the religious aspect um you know when when the rams really started going like that was when i first like when my relationship with God really started was right around that time. Yeah. And so Kurt Warner even kind of became a bit of an inspiration to me. And I think one of the cool things about it was, and, and I'll never forget, you know, when I heard him say this, he says, look, you know, I'm not a football player. It's just what I do, you know? And, yeah. and so th this gives a, it gives a background, you know, a look into really who Kurt Warner is, not, not just the football, but, you know, like, 
what his what his life was like around that and even beyond St. Louis. I mean, there's so much more. And I don't know where the the movie ends. I can I can kind of guess it, it probably ends around you know the Super Bowl. But my guess would be like there could be so much more that could be told in this story. You know, going from St. Louis to the Giants, and then yeah, a- again I mean, thinking your career is gone, and then to go to Arizona and go back to another world <laughs> or back to another Super Bowl. It's just like man, that's crazy. I always kind of say that if Ben Roethlisberger doesn't throw a perfect pass to San Antonio Holmes, Kurt Warner has two Super Bowls. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I just think about that because it was like a carbon copy was that Cardinals-Steelers Super Bowl where he throws that, that touchdown to Larry Fitzgerald. It was like when he threw a touchdown to Isaac Bruce. Yeah. You thought, okay, they're going to win this. And then Big Ben just had to Big Ben it all up, you know. He feathers that perfect pass. I mean, it, it just could have anybody hit him. Okay, that that's a, that's a skeleton that we will get to later. <laughs> but, no, I mean, I, I really think that people will understand that you know, one person doesn't really make these kind of miracles happen. I think the first line in my review was miracles take a village because, yeah. you know, people like Brenda, if he doesn't meet, if he doesn't meet Brenda and get inspired and fall in love like that, maybe he doesn't, maybe he just quits football and goes and sells white walls or insurance for a living, which is not bad, but we don't get the damn story. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> that, so, we want the story. I, mean, I, think, I think people will understand that, you know, people, make these things happen, like the sacrifice that they had to go through. Because in the early going for a thousand Kurt Warners, there's just a lot of travel. There's a lot of indecision. There's a lot of moments where you'll see him just kind of look around and go, is this worth it? I mean, you know, dragging the family around, we're trying to do this, but it's relatable because so many people have went through that as football players, as hockey players, as, as baseball players, you try to taste the dream, but you've been pulled away Warner and his off the field adventures kind of got closer to the dream somehow. And he was able to taste it. And, and I think there's a lot of inspiration in that people need an uplifting story, especially right now. And we were speaking at Dick Vermeil. Can you imagine Dick Vermeil telling people to be okay? I think he would convince me that it was going to be okay. Yeah. He's like, Dan, it's going to be, it's going to be fine. You know, I mean, I mean seriously, but it, it's the kind of movie people really will really appreciate right now. Because it, it's true. It isn't like you're watching a movie where, yeah, it's a made-up fable about a, you know, an out-of-work football player who meets a woman and then sees his whole life change. I mean, it's all happened. I mean, and, and that's why I even told the Warners. It's like, all this stuff on the screen is not made up. It happened. And the most, you know, interesting things in the movie are left to be the stuff between the two of you. And, yeah. and that's where I think a lot of the goods will come. They will leave this movie knowing Kurt and Brenda Warner a lot more. Even the people who were more, you know, critical of Brenda, because especially when he was going out of town, there was the radio show stuff. I think people will, will, will respect and appreciate Brenda a little more in this movie because this is based off the book that he co-wrote like with another author. This is based off his story. So it gives people a little bit more of a glimpse at, at Brenda Warner, not just the woman that went head-to-head with Mike Martz, which he doesn't do in the movie, but that could be a good sequel. Yeah. Well, and one of the things I love about the story, I think more than anything else, is um, it's the kind of story where, like, you can you can insert yourself, you know, and oh yeah, and you know feel feel a connection to it. You know, every every kid throwing you know a, a 
touchdown pass in his backyard to his friend, you know, or or at the local park. It, it just you get that feel, and and everybody everybody's just like, man, that that could be me one day. And it's just one of those stories that just I think connects people on so many different levels. And I'm me personally, I'm just so grateful that the story got to happen in St. Louis. And and that yeah. it got to happen for our fans, but but more more f- for the rest of the the world too. But but for our fans specifically, and and at a time where I think St. Louis really needed it because really needed it. Yeah. every because other they, every other sports team kind of stunk at the time. The, the Cardinals were yeah. kind of trying to Blues, you know get back on track. The Blues but, were almost there, and the Cardinals. I think they had you know a couple years before they they had had the. The Larusa Braves. Uh, I mean, the, you know that that NLCS collapse against the Braves, and they had they had McGuire, but you know, yeah, I think when Warner came into St. Louis, he was overtaken Mark McGuire as like the greatest show in St. Louis. And one thing I asked him because the good thing about this story is it involves talent, it involves luck, it involves a, a little bit of a, a love story. But I asked him, do you ever think about if Rodney Harrison doesn't? mess up Trent Green's knee do you think about how your life would have went and he goes no because you know and that's where he he mentions God and the religious and his path because I I was confident that my path was already being set because I wanted to see you know does he ever think about that because that's the luck that kind of played into it is that yeah. you know Rodney Harrison comes unblocked and I, I'm never going to forget Isaac Bruce just like I don't know if he slammed his helmet or if he just threw his hands down because he was like oh and then Dick Vermeil, and of course, this is the Dennis Quaid moment he gets. He goes, we're going to win with Kurt Warner. And I think when he said that, the whole crowd was like, yes, he is. You know what I mean? <laughs> so there's just there's that part of where you know the end of the story, but you get to see all the stops, all the little, the little things where maybe something goes sideways and he doesn't make it. But he took advantage of opportunities. I mean, that's the American dream. You know, you, you yeah. get an opportunity – and maybe you get a couple and you don't waste them. And, and then you become a legend because he's going to be a legend. You know, he's like David Freeze, but supersized. I mean, he, he did he did it for years here. And the way yeah. that he did it was just kind of a, again, it's a Cinderella story. I think it, it's a movie that's, if they didn't mess it up, it, it was going to be a big success. And and I think they made, I mean, it, it's it's two brothers. It's, it's the Irwin brothers. I think mm-hmm. one of them is Joe. It's two brothers that make these movies, but they did a good job. Yeah. And what's what's really cool about that, too, is Trent Green was a local kid, you know, and a St. Louis kid. And he gets taken out. And then all of a sudden there's this guy that nobody's heard of that then becomes a local guy. You know, he he becomes, you know, ingrained in the fabric of of the city. And I overall, I mean, it's just it's a great, great story. Great story. It's like. The baseball fans would be like, man, if they build baseball fields in Iowa, they will come. Not the football. I mean, well, what's going on? <laughs> so then this guy comes over. And I think it was just one of those situations where a city got to kind of almost itself fall in love with this guy that they didn't know that was replacing the, the fortunate son in Trent Green, who was basically propped up to be the one. Mm-hmm. And then it was Kurt Warner, this stranger who the more people found out about his story, the more they just love this guy. And the fact that they're still like that today, they're just such great people, it makes this story kind of like, you know, a big apple pie. And again, yeah. if they don't mess it up, and they didn't, because they could have messed it up. They could have, you know, again, they could have cast the wrong guy as Warner. They could have, you know, made it really schmaltzy, but they mm-hmm. didn't. They kind of make it light. They make it exciting. You know, the football scenes are exhilarating. 
especially when he when he gets to the big leagues. But yeah, I mean, and it's also not that long of a movie. I think a lot of movies these days are so long. Like you know, you look at that running time, and it's it's a good movie, but it's two hours and forty five minutes of your life. Not this one. I think it's about a good crisp, maybe about two hours, but it goes by fast because you're just reliving it. You're on like this slow at times, and then fast moving roller coaster with these two people. That's awesome. That's all. I'm I'm excited to hear it or excited to see it now. Um, so I, I can't yeah, I wait. I can't wait. Surprised, man, because I went in there and I'm just like, please don't make a bad movie. Don't <laughs> do it where you did with like. If anybody knows the comic character Spawn, oh, which is one of my favorite yeah. comic book characters, but the movie version they just so messed it up. So when yeah. they make a movie out of something, you're just like, well, it's like when they made a movie out of Johnny Cash. Oh yeah, you, know, you were hoping please don't mess that up, and then they did mess it up. They made a terrific film. So yeah, it was a great you know, film. Because I think there's only one chance they get it making a story. I mean, they could have taken another crack at the Kurt Warner story, but people will always know that first one. So when you knock it out of the park on the first one, it's it's a great thing. So we're uh, we're getting a little little low on time here, but I wanted to uh, to just. Uh, I wanted to run something else by you real quick. Um, okay. We got Christmas coming up. Uh, it's going to be Christmas here, uh, you know, and, and this is our this is actually our last episode of the season, so we're going to be taking a holiday break um, after, after this one for a few weeks. Um, but what is your favorite all-time, like all-time favorite Christmas movie? Oh, man, I, I think it has to be Christmas Vacation. Just because I, I watched it with my dad so many times as a kid. So all the jokes were ingrained into my brain by the time I was 15 or 16 years old. And then when you're older and you're a family man and you start seeing, man, now I know why Clark Griswold is so stressed out. And just <laughs> the, the little lines where he says the daughter, Juliet Lewis, this is pre-natural born killers, Juliet Lewis says, well, Grandpa, he worked really hard. He goes, so do washing machines. <laughs> I, just, I just go, oh, that's such a bad burn. But there's so many good Christmas movies. I'm I'm a big fan of Family Man. That was a great Nick Cage kind of a, um, It's a Wonderful Life spinoff where he was mm-hmm. a jerk who got to see where his life could have gone uh, if he wasn't a jerk. And But National Lampoons, man, it's like 92 or 90 minutes. It's just so fast you can watch it twice you know it's like watching the godfather it's just watching christmas vacation twice yeah that's awesome i i think my favorite and i think it's totally because i was like that like right about that age when it came out but uh, home alone man that was oh yeah i mean that that was my favorite i mean i just i would like dream about like being home by myself you know robbers coming in and yeah. You know, setting up a bunch of booby traps for him, and I mean that that was a great. And I love rewatching that with my kids. Like that has become yeah. like every year now. Like me and my kids will sit down and we'll watch oh, yeah. that movie. Like you know? Vinny, Vinny will watch one and two just like all December, and it's it's crazy how adults think of Joe Pesci as the bad guy from Goodfellas, but kids think of him as the bad guy from Home Alone. Yeah, <laughs> I told Vinny I was like, when you're a little older we'll watch this martin scorsese movie there he plays a much worse guy but that's not for now now you get to see the you know the the pg-13 or pg bad guy of yeah. joe pesci you're not ready for the r-rated version yeah. you get to see the wet bandit before you see him. Yeah. <laughs> you get to see mickey and tommy yeah. yep. <laughs> oh man good stuff you know i think um 
there's a there's been some debate too. Um, I'm not going to debate it because I already I know where I stand on it. But Die Hard definitely is a Christmas movie. Me too. I, yep. I think so too. Because my and this is my reasoning. I, I don't think a Christmas movie has to be soaked in Christmas time. For me, if it takes place in Christmas. And there's Christmas elements because remember he wraps the gun on the back of his back for the climactic shootout with wrapping paper. Yeah. <laughs> and he puts like, you know, when he decorates the bad guy in the elevator with ho, 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 it's those little things. People just think it has to be like Christmas and trees and no, it's, it's, it's Christmas time, uh, heroic activity by a guy wearing no shoes. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I think, um, my new favorite, I, I guess we're going to call it our new favorite uh, Christmas series, is Hawkeye. Um, the way, oh, the God, way that they've yeah. like thrown those Christmas elements in. Um, it's yeah. like, like, like when the, the tracksuit gang is chasing them in the car and, and you've got a Trans-Siberian yeah. Orchestra going in the background. I mean, this it's, is so great. I mean, it's, just, See, it's great stuff like that. Like the subtle things that I think make it subtle. really good. You're exactly right. You know, even like the poster where they, they kind of had like the Times Square decorated like Christmas or holidays. Mm -hmm. That made me want to watch the show because Marvel, when they're on, I mean, they just know how to tap into that pop culture. They, they know people don't just want another WandaVision. They want kind of a seasonal thing. And, and if you get the one guy who they've always shortchanged and Renner and talk about an actor who you should not shortchange. He's such a terrific actor. You have him doing Hawkeye and then he's playing like the semi-corrupt mayor of Kingstown on Paramount Plus. Yeah. And then he's doing all this other stuff. So I'm glad they gave him a chance to expand that character. Yeah. And I think you're getting a, a glimpse into that character, like in a way that you never could. Like you saw, no, I think, a no. little bit of it in um, Infinity War. When, yeah. you know, when, when his family disappeared, like you, you got a little glimpse of that there yeah. and you know, it, it, they got to explore it more when he turned into the Ronin, but it, now yeah. it's like, there's such a, a deep dive into his character. Um, yeah. you know, it, it's because, just, it's amazing. I, I'm glad to see it because he's, he's always been one of my favorite Marvel characters, but one that yeah. didn't get a lot of. You know, he didn't get a lot of the fanfare, a lot of the attention. He was just kind of one of those, you know, ancillary characters. And now yeah, he mean, gets to step he, into that main role. Yeah, he was always kind of like the family man, like in, in, in Ultron, where they just kind of took him to that safe site. It's just, oh, it's just Hawkeye's home and his family. <laughs> like where yeah. Tony Stark goes, okay, those are little agents. You yeah. know, I mean, <laughs> that's all we really knew. But that was the most insight we got. But one of the best moments and I'll keep saying this in Endgame. And one of the best acting moments of his career is where he looks at that phone after they do the where, where the Hulk does the snap, and he's like, and and Ant Man walks up to that door, and when Renner looks at that phone and sees his wife and his whole face just buckles, that's when I knew I wanted more Hawkeye because yeah. he's just a phenomenal actor, you know. I mean, he thinks his, his family's been wiped off the face of the earth, and then, you know, the Hulk snaps his fingers, and then he looks at that phone and that caller ID and his whole face just like, I was like, wow. That's why, you, that's why Marvel hires these great actors, because they make these comic book moments seem more human because they're just phenomenal actors. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, we are out of time, but Dan, I just want to thank you again for coming on. It's always a joy when you're able to join oh, us. Oh, man, I appreciate it, man. Conversation hey, is always you know, good. I mean, you, 
I mean, I mean, you're a good dude, man. You're doing, you're doing good work, and and I, I like coming on and talking. Because this is the, this is how this is what I did when I was first started writing, man. I would, you know, have a show, and I would ask people to come on. And I've always told myself I'm never going to be the guy that says no because I've been in that situation, and, and and it's a great situation to be in. So whatever I can do to help, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Dan, so much, guys. This has been Dan Buffa again with us. If you don't get, uh, if you haven't been aware of his work yet, you've got to get over to, uh, you can get Dosa Buffa uh, is a great place to go. You can also, uh, stljewishlight.org, right, Dan? Yeah, .org, man. I keep telling them, don't go to .org, but yeah, we're at .org. <laughs> so yeah, go find me there. And KSDK, I'm pretty much wherever you look, man. I'm, I'm, I'm essentially... Like the one Marvel character they haven't gotten rid of yet. I just keep running around the running around the room. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, awesome, Dan. Thanks again, man. It's been such a pleasure to have you, and hopefully, we'll get you back on here sometime after after the break and uh, see how things are going. Maybe when we actually have some baseball to man, talk maybe about. Maybe we have a little bit of baseball news, man. But hey, Merry Christmas, Brian. Uh, best of the family, and. And hang out in that garage a little bit, because I know I would. I'm going to hang out in this man cave for a while. Oh, I'm going to be here for a while, uh, drinking my coffee and eating some donuts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Take care. All right, you too. Thanks, Dan. And that, of course, was uh, Dan Buffett. Guys, I want to thank you so much for being here, so much for joining us. And uh, it's been my pleasure to do this show and to, um, you know, for you just to allow me to come in and, and be a small part of of your day, your week, or, or whatever, whenever you take the time to listen to this show. So I just want to say thank you, um, honestly, from me, uh, from the whole crew here at Gateway City Sports. Uh, we are just, we're so grateful to you guys and just the, uh, the success that we've had over the past year is all because of you and uh, you're the reason that we do this uh, you're the reason that we, we you know we get up and 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 share our passion with you is because you know we, we're fans just like you are and uh, you know we, we want to be able to give you guys um, you know just experiences as fans that, that we even we would want to have as fans so thank you so much for being here thanks for being a part of what's going on here at Gateway City Sports. Thank you for being a part of Yacker Jacks and just for helping us to grow um, and, and to get us out there. I hope you guys have a safe, a blessed, and Merry Christmas. Take it easy, y'all, and we will see you back next season. 